you hear me? Well, you might not think I'm awesome after this. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right, how are we all doing? Yeah? That's good. Let's take a drink of water. Yeah. We just lift up Paul to you, Father God. We stand in agreement with everything that was said. Father, the devil has no right in this church, has no right on Paul, he has no authority. We do not accept it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We thank you for your miracle. Signs and wonders and gifts. Thank you, Father God. Yeah, well, that's unacceptable. We don't accept that, by the way. Because he's redeemed. We're redeemed from all sickness. It's unacceptable. Thank you, Father. So my message today is on first fruits. It hasn't come up yet. That's okay. Has anyone got any idea or roughly what they think first fruits are according to the Bible? I know when I asked that this morning, Richard said it's the best of the best. Yeah, it is. It's also something that belongs to God and it's something God... It's a principle. There's the principle of the first fruits and the firstborn and the tithe are all tied up into it. And it's something that's been around from the beginning. It's not, it's not something that was appeared under the law. And you know, and there's one thing I want to make clear before I get into it is you've got to understand when it comes to blessing and cursing, God blesses us, but he does not curse us. Okay, it's like a coin. One side's God, one side's the devil. You know, it's a spiritual law determines which side you're on. Think about it that way. You know, being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. And on the other side of that, being cursed means having supernatural power working against you. See? You've got to get it into your head that God does not put sickness on us. He does not make you poor. He does not put curses on you. But there are spiritual laws that determine... You've got to remember, the devil is the god of this world. He has his own spiritual laws that he can't get out of. You know, he's working around his boundaries. We have boundaries with God too. You decide which boundary you want to be on. See, the days of a blessed person are filled with divine coincidences and heavenly meaning. A blessed man or woman may or may not be wealthy by the world's standards, but he or she enjoys a quality of life that most billionaires envy. It's not about money. You don't need money to have a quality of life. It's about what's inside here. You know, you can, you, the, you can have all the money in the world, will not buy you peace, will not f give you fulfillment in your heart. There, there, there's guys out there who are probably the richest men in the world, but they're still having an itch to scratch. They can't fulfill the void. You know, to me, like, especially in these times, Family's a blessing to me. I'd rather have family over money. Any day. Family's, you know, it's a blessing from God to have kids. And they're trying to take that away. They're trying to pervert our kids. I was in the library yesterday, and I don't really go in there, but I took the kids there, and I was wandering around the kids' section, and I was quite shocked to see books about talking about sex for kids. Right in the all this transgender crap. I don't care if you're offended by that. It is all crap. So you're, you're either a boy or a girl, okay? 
just move on about that one. It's messing up kids. They never had this problem in the 80s. Why all of a sudden is it a huge issue now? What's the agenda behind it, eh? Anyway, I'm getting off my message. Anyway, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. So God, in Deuteronomy, God tells us that those who obey him, he will bless everything they put their hands to. In Deuteronomy 15, verse 10, you shall, surely, you shall surely give to him your heart. You should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all which you put your hand to. So everything you put your hand to is blessed at home and at work, everything. See, the blessing permeates every aspect of a person's life, health, relationship, work, family, emotions and thoughts. You know, and I'm sure most of us have heard the saying, or some of us might not, first things first. Have we all heard that saying before? See, there are plenty, there are plenty of biblical truths to that saying. So what are those first things in regards to a living a blessed life? First, let's consider this. Did you know that there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer? And there are nearly 500 verses concerning faith. But there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. In fact, Jesus talked about finances in 16 of his 38 parables. So clearly, from the Bible standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. Why? Because money is actually a test from God. So don't switch off just because I started mentioning money, eh? It's not about money. You see, how you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, your loyalties, your affections. In fact, it directly dictates many of the blessings you will or won't experience. Yes, we are blessed, and there are blessings we automatically inherit, but there are still spiritual laws, or better put, principles, that God has not changed. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. You see, the very first principle we must grasp if we are to understand giving, it is the principle of the first fruits, which is also called the principle of the firstborn and the tithe. You see, far too many Christians these days are confused about tithing and the principle of the first fruits. I'll even admit, even I was confused at one stage. I won't get into that, but I know people, I know it's a big deal. I know some, quite a few Christians who won't tithe at all. They don't believe they have to. You know, in fact, in some cases it becomes a dirty word. You get accused of preaching the prosperity gospel. And yes, there are people who do do that, but that's not what I'm doing today. I'm not worried about what you think or if you're offended. That's not my job. My job is to preach what God tells me to preach. The only correction that comes from is either from God or the pastor. So you do not need to be concerned. You know, we made a decision as a leadership last year not to compromise the word of God, so I have to keep that in mind every time. Look, we can treat the Bible or God as one-dimensional. Just because we don't understand something, we shouldn't dismiss it. Don't get focused on one thing. If you've got an issue with something, don't get focused on it and think that's your whole Christian walk depends on that. Don't dismiss it because you don't understand it. That's probably a, a signal from God to say you need to understand it. You need to get a revelation of it. You know, sometimes the Bible is literally it says what it actually means. Eh? There's not some secret meaning behind it. 
It is literal sometimes. So don't switch off. This is actually really important to understand. So let's take a look at a couple of scriptures in Exodus. So Exodus 13 verse 2. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. See, God plainly declares that the firstborn is his. It belongs to him. You will find that God mentions this more than once in scriptures. This is one of those first things. We need to understand that God comes first. Exodus 13, 12-13 that, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, that is if every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, which you have the males shall be the Lord's, but every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man, your sons, shall redeem. You shall redeem. This is the principle of the firstborn. And it's important we understand what this means to you and God. You see, under the uh, Old Testament, the firstborn was either to be sacrificed or redeemed. There is no third option. It's either or. So when one of the livestock animals was de delivered its firstborn, they were sacrificed or, they would, or if it was determined to be unclean, they had to be redeemed. And to redeem it, they redeemed it with a clean, spotless lamb. So in short, the clean firstborn had to be sacrificed and the unclean firstborn had to be redeemed. We're we starting to get the picture? Keep that in mind. And if we jump forward to the New Testament, specifically to John the Baptist when he meets Jesus, now John's baptizing on the banks of the River Jordan and one particular day he looked up and he saw Jesus walking toward him. And at that point John cried out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What, with that declaration, John perfectly defined the role Jesus had to come fulfill. Jesus was God's firstborn. And we know Jesus was clean, perfect, unblemished in every way. On the other hand, we're not. Every one of us were born into sin, born unclean, born with a sin nature. Now if you think back to the principle of the firstborn in Exodus, do you remember what it, is, what it was? Remember, the law stated that if the firstborn animal was clean, it had to be sacrificed. But if the firstborn was unclean, which is us, it was to be redeemed with a clean animal. Do you see the symbolic parallel? Jesus Christ was God's firstborn, his firstborn son. And he was born clean. He was born pure, spotless. But every one of us was unclean. Therefore, Jesus was sacrificed to redeem us. God is following his own principle that he asks us to follow. He doesn't even step out of his own boundaries, even though he could. God gave his tithe in faith before we ever believed. That tithe was Jesus. He was literally a first fruits offering. And in a real sense, Jesus was the tithe. Even God tithed. You know, I don't know if you notice the difference between God and the world. God doesn't take, he gives. And how can God take something if it already belonged to him? He can't. 
See, that's his policy. That's the design. That's the principle. God's economy works by giving your first fruit in faith. Are you with me? It's very quiet. So God gave Jesus to us in faith even when we were sinners. Even when Jesus was being mocked, spat upon, beaten severely and nailed to the cross, he still gave us Jesus. He still gave his tithe. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, and while that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God is showing us how we give our first fruits, our tithes, the same way he did in faith before we see the blessing. He didn't wait for us to get right with him. He didn't wait for us to start obeying him. No, he just gave. He gave. And he's, re- he's reaping the blessing, isn't he? The church is building. It might not seem like that. The seats might seem, you know, a bit empty. But we're only one small church among many. You know, there was, if there was a word I had to give today, I felt like God was saying the tide's turned. And there's an incoming tide. That's all I can say. I just feel it in my spirit. You know, the darker things get, the brighter the light starts to shine. And that's, that's us. Now, if you think back to the principle of the firstborn in Exodus, uh, where have I got? Sorry, I've missed, uh, missed where I went. Yeah. Yeah, so God is showing us that's right. Yeah. So the principle of the first fruits is very powerful. Have you heard it's have you heard it said that any first thing given is never lost and any first thing not given is always lost? In other words, what we give to God we don't lose because God redeems it. But what we withhold from God we lose. Jesus talks about this principle when he said in Matthew 16:25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, the first fruits belong to God. It's his, that's it. You'll find that principle is throughout God's word. The choice is ours to make as to what we do with it. Are we going to be good stewards with our money? Are we going to be the good steward with his with God's first fruits? You know, if you think back to the Garden of Eden, eh, God gave Adam and Eve everything. He made an entire world, plants, animals, everything, food. Gave them everything. They were walking in the glory. But he said, he put one thing on this earth, a tree, that he said, do not touch. Because he says, that's mine. I only want one thing of mine that I don't want you to have. But because human nature couldn't resist that. And they touched it and now... A curse came upon everybody because of what they did. Now, was that, did God put that curse? No, they didn't. He didn't. He said, don't touch it. The devil did it. The devil convinced them to do it. Do we get it now? Did God break his principle from then to get us back? No, he followed the principle of the first fruit to get us back. He stayed within the boundaries of his own spiritual law. What makes you think that's changed now? We can give God the first of our time, we can give him the first of our finances, and that's what tithing is all about, giving our first fruits to God. It's saying, God, 
I'm going to give you the first of everything because I trust you to redeem the rest. Let's look at it another way. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it is not possible to know how many lambs that you might produce. Nevertheless, God didn't say, let your you produce nine lambs and then give me the last one. No, God says, give me the first one. It always requires faith to give first. That's why I think so many people don't experience the blessings of tithing because it means giving to God before you see if you're going to have enough. I've been in that category. You know, I got the revelation while I was actually studying this and, and, and that as soon as I get paid, I give my tithe now. I don't worry about what's going to happen because God says it's mine, it's his anyway. Who am I to keep that from withholding that from God? But it's, it's more than that. It's a test. How much are you willing to put me first? How far are you willing to go? Do we, does God not deserve that? He gave us his only son. Really. See, by tithing, it's like you're saying, God, I recognize you first. I'm putting you first in my life. I trust you to take care of the rest of the things in my life. You know, I know from personal experience, uh, God's always taken care of me, eh? Uh, but my finances were a mess until I started tithing. So don't get things mixed up, you know, because you don't tithe, all oh, that means I can't get healed and all oh, I'm under the curse, you know. Don't get warped on that. It's a separate thing. Yes, we're redeemed from the curse in the law. We are redeemed. Your finances aren't redeemed. They weren't put up on the cross. Jesus didn't die for your money. He didn't die for your possessions. Remember what he said to the young rich ruler. You know, the young rich ruler said, Teacher, what must I do to enter heaven? We know we've got to give the name of Jesus in our heart, but Jesus said to him, Sell all your possessions and come follow me. What do you think that young rich, he had to make a decision. He couldn't let go of the money. Money was more important because money was his God. You see, the, this is the main reason we tithe. It is so important because it's the primary way, the primary way we acknowledge God is first. You can be a most fired up Christian or may have the appearance, but if someone looked in your checkbook and bank account and see that you're not tithing, well, you're not putting God first, so you're, not, you're fake. It's, it's true. You've got to put God first. It's a hard thing. I struggled with tithing, I'll be honest. It was a big deal for me. Well, I tell you, when I started tithing, supernatural things happened. Oh, I had a, a debt from my ID completely wiped off. It was five, five grand. I was a student. I couldn't afford to pay it. Started tithing. I remember when I first started tithing, I got really upset because I was like, I just gave my money away and I don't need food. But God took care of it. He's always taking care of me. God is good. All the time. He doesn't, put, he doesn't do the bad stuff. He's not, he's not responsible for it. Too many people blame God for too much bad stuff. He's not into that. It's not who he is. You know, it's not just about finances. It's also about our time. Do we give God the first of our time? In the, in the New Testament, in the new church, they all joined together on a Sunday because they recognized Sunday was the beginning of their week. So they gave their time to God in worship. 
that hasn't changed. So today is the start of our week. So do you think turning up to church late is giving your time to God? So the concept's right. You know, you give your time to God first, the rest of your time's blessed. The rest of your week is blessed. In fact, you know, I'll take it a step further. Wigglesmith Wigglesworth, for those who know him, or have heard of him, an amazing man of God, he would get up every morning before he would even brush his teeth or get dressed or anything, he was into this word, worshipping God. He obviously had that concept of the first roots. He gave, he was totally devoted. Totally devoted. But you only have to look at the, the miracles that guy, that God used him for, eh? Amazing miracles. Oh, I don't know if you've heard about the one where uh, he met a guy who was, had only had half a leg. And, and, he, you know, and so Smith took him into a shoe shop, got him a shoe out, and his leg grew into the shoe. I don't care if you don't believe it, it's true. They used to lie dead bodies on the stage when he was preaching, and they would rise. Recorded, actually documented and recorded. He was an amazing man, but he was devoted. He gave his first fruits to God. He gave everything to God. We can follow these principles laid out by God, or we can choose to ignore or doubt the principle and go your own way. Choice is yours. The choice has always been ours, and that's the point. God's given, given us the greatest gift, and it's called free will. He didn't design us to be robots. He, he doesn't tell you what to do. He doesn't tell you how to live your life. He can only suggest. Say, there's a better life over this side. You decide. That's why, again, it's called faith, stepping out into the unknown. It's like Jesus said, only believe. Only believe. God is a good God. He has laid out his principles throughout his word so that we can live under his system, so that we can display his kingdom on earth, his kingdom of heaven on earth, so the lost can see there's hope, a way out of a system designed to make you lose. The world needs the church to be the real church more than ever right now. You know, we can all decide to be real Christians when we decide to be. So can the church. Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So that, that is an outcome of following the first fruits. God is saying, I'm going to look after you. No matter how it comes, the, the word makes it clear that we are to honour the Lord with our first fruits of all our increase. And when we do, according to the Bible, the bar, our barns will be filled of plenty and our vats will overflowing, meaning we'll have plenty. God will look after us. He will meet our needs. He's not saying I'm going to chuck like a million dollars in your bank account. If you're not a good steward of money, you're not getting that. End of story. If you can't be a good steward, how can he trust you with the money? Because the way, the way it works, if you're a good steward of money, God goes, I can trust this person. I'm going to give him more money. The only reason he's giving this guy more money is because he knows he's going to use it to advance the kingdom of heaven. He's going to give it to someone when God says give it. I was reading about a guy who God even said, give away your house to someone. Wow. Give away your car. And, and he did. And every time he did, God gave him another house, gave him another car. In fact, there was at one point he said cars kept turning up in his driveway and he kept giving them out. It was an endless cycle. It's not about our possessions. We can't take them to heaven. You know, God, 
if God says, I need you to give this guy a van, you don't know why he needs a van. Maybe he's a missionary. We've got to be obedient. But it doesn't mean he's going to leave you without one. He's going to replace it with something else. That's how it works. We've got to change our thinking. It's not like, you know, Pastor Don used to say, you can't take a U-Haul van to your funeral, eh? A van packed with all your stuff. Are you going to take that to your funeral? It stays behind. It eventually turns to dust anyway. Everything does. Nothing lasts forever. Only your spirit. Are you with me? You're very quiet. Now, with all that in mind, if you remember the account of the fall of Jericho in the book of Joshua, for some that do know, you know, they, this is when they first entered into the promised land. And Jericho was one of the first cities. And God said, God gave strict instructions to Israelites. They were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho because it all belonged to him. Because the Lord declared. So why did God say all the silver and gold from Jericho had to be given to the house of the Lord? Because it was the first city conquered in the promised land. It was the first fruit. God was saying, bring all the silver and gold from Jericho into my house, then you can have all the rest. He didn't say, conquer ten cities, then give me the last one. Now remember, it's the firstborn, and the first fruits are his. Joshua 6, verse, 28, uh, verse 18, 19. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed, when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and golden vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And if you remember the rest of the story, one of the Israelites named Achan actually disregarded God's instructions and took some of the spoils and hid it for himself. And what did God say what would happen if he would do that? He became accursed. And not only that, it affected the whole camp of Israel. Because it was consecrated it was made holy. He stole something holy. God said, it's mine. You can have everything else. The 90% you can have. I just want this little bit. Is that so, much? Is that so hard? It's funny. He only asks for a little bit, but God gave all of that. He gave us Jesus. It wasn't 10%. He gave 100% of Jesus. You know, think about it. When the spoils were given to the Lord, they were consecrated, set apart for God's house. But after that man took it for himself, it was actually cursing Israel's efforts to take the promised land. Consecrated or cursed, that's exactly what the tithe is throughout the Bible. The tithe is consecrated to the Lord for the Lord's house. But if we take for ourselves, like Achan, it becomes a curse because it's stolen. I wasn't going to mention this, but while I was reading this book, this guy mentioned back in the 1990s, some guy worked out globally at that time that with all the people that attended church, the collective um, f money, financial total was $270 trillion. Out of that $270 trillion, only 1.8% was given to the church. These are Christians. Where's the tenth? Can you imagine if a tenth of that was given? To all your local churches, how much would the gospel be preached and spread out and support other ministries and 
It's like the kitty kai. We shouldn't even have to have that. If everyone brought in their tithes, God says, bring in the tithes so my house may be full, we'd have enough for everything. We wouldn't have to ask for money for any year, it said. Seriously. It's the hard truth. Take it or leave it. In Malachi 3, God makes it clear that if we keep the tithes to ourselves, we're effectively robbing God. It's a sobering thought that one can steal from God. Yep, I know some people right now are thinking, why are you saying that? Malachi 3, verse 8 to 9 says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have I robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, the, the script is not the most encouraging, but it's the truth. And usually gets explained away or overlooked. And usually there are some who say, well, that's in the Old Testament, it's not relevant. But you've got to keep things in context, eh? If you read that chapter in verse 6, it says, God says, for I am the Lord, I do not change. Now we've heard, by now we've heard and know the firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to him and we've learned the tithe belongs to him. None of these statements have changed because he said, I don't change. So here's my question to those who question whether tithing is still current. If God declares, I do not change, when did those things supposedly change? Show me. When did God change? Well, he said he doesn't change and he hasn't since the beginning of time. This tithe, the firstborn and the first fruits, all belong to God. This isn't law. It's an unchanging principle established by an unchanging God. Then there's the argument which many Christians say, well, that was under the law, so I don't have to do it. We're under grace now. And you'd be surprised how many people believe that. Okay, well, if that's your argument, let's take a look at it this way. Would you accept the argument that stated that because stealing was forbidden under the Old Testament law, but now it's okay under grace? Well, the New Testament said you should not commit adultery, but under grace it's okay now? Really? In fact, Jesus took it further in the New Testament, just to make a point. He said, you think that's harder? It's harder now, because if you even look at a woman another way, that's committing adultery. He was, he was making a point. I'm not, this is not condemning. We're under grace. We are forgiven, but doesn't give us, does that give you a license to steal? to commit adultery? Does that give you a license not to tithe? Even though the tithe actually wasn't part of the law, it was before that. Yes, we're under grace and it's amazing, but the law wasn't done away with. It was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled and signed the contract. Done. Because we could never live up to it. We still can't. But there are principles under the law that continue to be principles with God. You can't get away from that. There are internal principles throughout the word, and tithing is clearly one of them. It's a principle that runs through Genesis to Revelations. So the argument that tithing is not relevant under grace falls flat. Because it's been around since the beginning, and God never changed. He never changed it. There's not a scripture in here that says, oh, you don't have to tithe anymore. It never said that Jesus died on the cross for your tithes. No, he died for our sin. 
and our sicknesses, not for our money. It's up to you. You can tithe if you want or not. But you're missing out on some blessings. See, man's done that. Man's done the change. Man, you know, these warped ideas and revelation have crept into churches. You see, it's a test. It's deeper than we know. I've definitely found that out studying this. I, I had a basic idea of tithing, but to be honest, I didn't really know how deep it goes, how intertwined it is. I didn't know. It, there's more. I could have chucked in more stuff, but I can't. It's, it's too big. So like I said, it's a test. It's deeper than we know, especially when it comes to money. God doesn't need our money, but he wants us to put him first. And he wants us to trust him. And money represents our life. We rely on it. Matthew 6 verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It doesn't say where your heart is, there's your treasure. No, it's basically saying your heart follows your treasure. That's why tithing represents a test for every Christian. The word translated tithe in the Bible means tenth or a tenth part number 10. So do you know what the number 10 represents in the Bible? It represents testing. How many times did God test Pharaoh? 10 plagues. He was testing his heart. Pharaoh wouldn't give up. 10 times it was a test. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? 10 times. How many commandments are there? 10. Or you could say, how many ways is our obedience tested? Ten from the Ten Commandments. The pattern continues in the New Testament. In Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. Their readiness, their preparedness was tested. Remember, five of them were ready and five weren't. Ten, the number ten is a test. It even mentions it in Revelations, ten days of testing. So ten is testing. Tithe, the tenth, it's a test every Sunday. It's a test. I'm not condemning anyone. We fail the tests. I've, I've failed. There's times we've tithed and stopped tithing, but uh, you soon find out when you stop, things get really bad. So if we're going to put God first, it actually means first. We don't give our tithe after we pay the bills or hope there's enough for God. Remember, God is first. He wants to be first. It's his first fruits belong to him. So we give him the tithe first before anything else. We give him our time before anything else. It's a wrestling match for some when it comes to money, I know, because I've been there. I've struggled with it. But you can't serve two masters. Like Jesus said in Luke 16, 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other. Or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which is money. By default, money is actually unrighteous. Just because you've been redeemed and you touch money doesn't make it clean. That's not the process. Money's been used around the world to deprive and manipulate people. So it's by its inherent nature, it is unrighteous. And that's how God actually refers to it. Jesus actually refers to money and possessions as unrighteous mammon. 
So God says the way you make money holy is explained in Romans 11.16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So you take your first fruit, you give it to God, he redeems the rest. The other 90% becomes holy. And what is holy? The devil cannot touch. The remainder of your money becomes redeemed, made cleaned, blessed, set apart from the world. You're now your finances are set apart from the world. The same goes from when we were redeemed through the cross. If you think the devil's harassing you, or causing you problems, you've got to realise actually he has no right. We've been made clean and holy. And what is hol- what has been made holy, the devil cannot touch. So the devil actually can't touch you. That's a spiritual law he can't even break. I'm going to close on this scripture and then I'm going to get Amy to come up and do a testimony because as long as I've known Amy, I wasn't a Christian before I met Amy. She's always tithed and it's shown in her life and it's shown in her family. Pastor Don and Pastor Robin, I've seen, I mean, you know, to me they were real Christians. I've been around Christians all my life. And I always thought Christians were boring, weak, and pathetic. But then I met Pastor Don and Pastor Robin and Amy, and I thought, man, these guys are real, and they're not wimps. They say the truth when it needs to be heard, even when people don't want to hear it. They don't get pushed over. They don't get pushed around. They stand up for what is right. But the tithing, they never, Amy's never had an issue with money, as long as I've known her. But she'll testify a quick testimony. So Luke 11, 41, 42. So this is Jesus talking. But rather give alms of such things you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and root on all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. What's Jesus saying here? He's pointing out that the Pharisees were tithing legalistically. They were tithing out of an appearance. Look how holy I am. I'm putting God first. They weren't giving the first fruits. Jesus said, you, were, you passed over justice and the love of God. They had, the motive was completely wrong. And it's interesting because Jesus says towards the end of that scripture, these you ought to have done. What does that mean? These you ought to have done means he's talking about have your motive sorted out. Get your motive right. Remember why you're tithing. It's not about your money. It's not about your finances. It's about giving what God, what belongs to God. It's honouring God. It's consecrated. It's holy. Then he says, without leaving the others undone. And some people think that's talking about the love of God. No, what he's talking about there is don't leave the tithe undone. Don't stop tithing. Get your motive right, but don't stop tithing. I'll get Amy, can you come up and... That's the end of my message, but I'll get Amy to uh, share her testimony. And then uh, I'll hand the service back over to the service lead. If anyone wants prayer, we'll, we'll get to that after Amy. Hi, so um, I have been tithing uh, all my working life, but this, this t- testimony is sort of something that's quite happened recently. So we went through a hard patch <laughs> seven months we lost a whole income and so we had one income now not two and we still tithed on our one income 
the whole time, even though that was sort of like our first real test of like money, I guess. And, uh, and so we just trusted that God would, had our back and um, yeah, got real close to just going under. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, at the end of it all, um, I had a client, because I work on a clientele, I'm a hairdresser, and um, she's like, oh, you know, just asking a few questions. I was like, that's a bit strange. Like, why is she asking me questions about, you know, like, debt and like, <laughs> you know, because she knew what we'd been through and stuff. And anyway, she went and blimmin' put half of my debt back into my account as a gift um, from her. And she was just like, oh, you know, debt's really dumb and I wanted to give you this as a gift. And I was like, okay, well, that's overwhelming. Um, thank you. That's amazing. And then anyway, we were, a couple of weeks later, um, James was sort of mentioning about our car and how it's just not safe anymore. <laughs> and it's costing us lots of money. And so we were like, we really need a car, but we don't want to get into more debt. And, um, and then I go and was, was chatting to a client, um, and she just happens to say that she is selling her car because they're moving overseas. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. What, what is that? We're looking for a car now. And she was like, oh, mentioned what it was and I was like oh that's weird that's what we were looking for I didn't say that to her and she was like oh um yeah so well maybe maybe I could give you that and I was like well we'll pay for it you know we don't we, we want to pay for it and she was like oh yeah yeah well, I'll go home and talk to my husband and then she messages me the next day and she's like how does zero dollars sound <laughs> and I was like what zero dollars and so yeah it just was like got given to us with um a full tank of gas and a and a new car yay thank you jesus yeah that's great well there certainly are benefits in being a tither i mean i've been a tither i won't tell you how long long time <laughs> too long <clears throat> and uh, like we've heard, you know, we've never lacked. We've never lacked. So um, even when, you know, it seemed like, because Don used, was a director of a building company on a very high salary, when we became pastors, it's sort of like, ooh, <laughs> very small. When we began the church, of course, there wasn't a lot. So honestly, it was very little. But, but we never lacked. We never did lack. So just take a faith, step of faith. And a lot of you probably may already are, but if you haven't, try it. No, don't try it, just do it. <laughs> make, make a quality decision. 